If you could ask Jesus anything, what would you ask him? We're working our way through the gospel of uh, Mark, Mark's record of, his, of Jesus' life and ministry uh, when he was here on earth. And Mark records numerous questions that were asked of Jesus by several different people. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was kind of like uh, just the tip of the iceberg, the questions that, uh, that Mark has listed. Uh, some of the questions that people ask were, were about rules and traditions that aren't necessarily uh, real close to us. They were the Jewish rules and traditions of things that they were uh, supposed to do and not do, and, and uh, Jesus Jesus was in trouble. We've already talked about how he got himself in trouble already uh, as we've been starting our way through the book of Mark. Uh, he, he, he got, the very beginning of chapter two, he was already in trouble for not paying too much attention to rules um, and traditions. Uh, some of them were more about more personal matters. Uh, and Pastor Aaron and I looked at it and we, we thought, you know, let's pick what we think, feel like are probably the top three questions that even people in the 21st century would be asking. And we're going to try to tackle those three questions uh, that were asked by people then that we think would still be asked by people now. Uh, and if you don't agree with us, well, that's okay because we're not claiming to be absolutely totally correct. It's just our opinion, and I claim the right to be wrong, if you think I am. But, well, we'll just leave it there. Uh, when I think about the mess this world keeps sinking into, I have to be honest, and uh, Pastor Aaron's already shared his poem this morning. I have, to, I have to wonder, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about this mess? I mean, it does not seem to be getting better. I, I almost laugh when I hear people talking about how we're going to make this world a better place. <laughs> well, we haven't been doing it, so what makes you think we're going to do it now? I just don't get it. And Jesus, don't you care how we're making this? I think we all struggle with that question, don't we? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about the hundreds of children that without food to eat? Don't, what about the families that died in the earthquake? One moment they're here and the next they're gone. Don't you care? Psalm writers help us put the question a little differently. The psalm writers wrote the questions like this, but, but one of the psalm writers uh, wrote, does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? Mirth, by the way, is an old uh, word for laughter. Uh, 
As Jesus cares, the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Does, does Jesus care when my way is dark and then with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong when my when for my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I say goodbye to the dearest on earth to me and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks? Is it anything to him? Does he see? Does Jesus care? Mark reports a time when Jesus' first followers asked Jesus that very question. Jesus, don't you care? It's recorded in Mark's fourth chapter, the fourth chapter, what we call the fourth chapter of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and 41. I will be reading from the Passion Translation. It is a newer translation uh, slash paraphrase that you may or may not have. If you're following along in the church uh, version event, you'll have it there, but if you're following along in another translation, it'll be a little different, but at least it's in English. I'm not using a different language. You'll recognize it. It's not that much different. Uh, that same day, okay, what, what same day? That same day Jesus had been teaching in parables, that the same day after he grew dark, the sun has gone down. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, the disciples got into the boat in which Jesus was already sitting, and they took him with them. Other boats sailed with them. So there's this whole group of boats floating across, sailing across what we call the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a furious storm arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was nearly swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to die? <clears throat> Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush! Be still! Although once the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm, then he turned to his disciples and said to them, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and waves obey him? Really interesting conversation, isn't it? Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die. 
who in the world is this guy? Why did you wake him up if you didn't think he could do something? One of those things I would just love to be able to ask people, but I'm not, you know, that was 2,000 years ago and I wasn't in the boat. And I would have been one of those ones screaming, don't you care, because I don't swim. Besides, I've watched two clips from two different movies that are enough to make the Poseidon Adventure. Upside down boat, not a good idea. My wife wants me to go on a cruise. And I said, I've watched two movies I don't ever care about. Poseidon Adventure and Titanic. Does not seem like a relaxing time to me. The whole time I'm going to be going, where's my life vest? How do we get off of this boat? He's going to flip over or sink, one or, both, one or the other, or both. Now, I'm not going to be in So who's in your boat? Who is in the boat with us? That's a good question. You know, at the end of this, when it's all over, these 12 disciples, the disciples of Jesus, are looking at each other and asking this question. Who's in the boat with us? Who is this man? In one minute, he was asleep. Well, he didn't have a care in the world. He was so tired from teaching and working with people all day that he was asleep. And so sound asleep, he didn't notice the waves and the storm. And we had to wake him up. And the next minute, he yells at the wind like it's an unruly dog, and it obeyed him. What's up with that? Who's in our boat? Now these guys grew up in the synagogue. They'd heard the Psalms that talked about how the Lord tells the waves to be quiet. How God tells the waves to be calm. And how he brings peace to the storm. And all of a sudden, it seems to them like they have just seen a human being who was asleep do something only God's supposed to be able to do. Who is this? Who is this man who's in the boat with us? They were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to each other, Who is this man who has such authority? that even the wind and waves obey him. Who is in the wind? Boat with us. We started, though, with Jesus, don't you care? The end of the story, they knew Jesus cared. Yes, Jesus cares. And not only does he care, he is God in the boat with us. So here's a sermon in a sentence. Uh, write this down. Uh, hang on to this. Because I think sometimes we're asking the wrong question. 
and whenever we ask the wrong question, no matter what the answer, we get to that question, we're going to have the wrong answer because we asked the wrong question. So here we go. No matter how many waves crash over your boat, the key question is always, who is in my boat? The key question is, who is in my boat? Now, we're going to, I'm using this to clarify, make sure I don't lose anyone. I am using the storms, wind, and waves as a word picture for our lives and for your life. A storm refers to adverse circumstances. You probably already figured this out, but negative events that enter, to, enter into our lives. A storm represents trouble, tribulation, trials. Storms are the things that seek to knock you over mentally, emotionally, physically, and or spiritually. Uh, and this is what it is to live in this world. You are either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm. Oh, thank you, Pastor, for all those encouraging words. Well, I want to tell you the truth because life is full of trouble. And this is the way it is. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm, whether you know it or not. Jesus said what I call one of his least quoted promises. It's recorded in John chapter 16, verse 33. Write that down. John chapter 16, verse 33. You will not find this in the little box of promises that you can buy online or that you, if you get a promise a day in your email, it, this one will probably not be there because it says, Jesus says, everything I taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. That part might be there, but the rest of the verse might not be there because this is what the verse says. For in this broken world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. This is my promise to you. In this world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. The followers of Jesus, that's most of us, the followers of Jesus get it backward most of the time. We think trouble should be the exception, not the rule. We think that the rule is that those times when we're between storms. We, we, we get in that, those, those spaces between storms and we think, ah, this is the way the world is all as it should be. That's not this world, maybe a, the world to come, but not this world. This world is the world full of trouble and sorrow and suffering. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you're going to have trouble and sorrow. When we act like we're shocked when tr and surprised when trouble comes, it leads to one of the biggest problems people have in this world is the the problem of evil. 
And one of the biggest questions that we have in this modern age is why do bad things happen to good people? Jesus' response to this question is this, in this world you will have trouble. Bad stuff happens to everybody. Because we live in a broken world. You are either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or going into a storm. That's what Jesus tells us. In this world, you will have trouble. We will get cancer. Tragedy will strike. Our families and other families, untimely deaths will occur. Children, our children, our grandchildren may endure trauma. At the other end of the spectrum, there may be people who are beheaded simply for their faith in Jesus. Trouble is the unfortunate feature and the bitter fruit of this insanely broken world. The big difference on this point is not between the people who follow Jesus and the people who don't. Trouble happens to all of us. It is our common lot. People who live in this world, whether they're following Jesus or not following Jesus, all have experienced trouble. I'm going to pause. This is not in my notes. This is a freebie. So anybody who tells you that if you send money to their ministry and it will get you out of trouble... is not telling you the same things that Jesus is telling you. You decide who you want to believe. I'm just saying. You see, the big difference is that the people who follow Jesus get to add this tiny little hand grenade of truth to our story. Jesus says, take heart, be courageous. I have overcome the world. That's our banner cry. That's our battle cry. That's, that's the source, the foundation, the fountain of our joy. This is the gospel. And it's not for just someday out there by and by. It's for right now. He's overcome the world now. And it can help us. He can help us now. Even in the middle of the storm, he can help us now. That's why the question, who is in your boat, is so important. His victory over the world is for today, right now, this moment. And millions and millions of people around the world and thousands of people around us, hundreds of people, the people in your family, the circles of families and friends and neighbors, are yearning to know this, to experience it, to see it in our lives. So the question is, who is in the boat with you? Who is in your boat? The answer makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. And unfortunately, sadly, we measure the reality of Jesus' presence with us 
by the absence of trouble and trials. If our lives are smooth sailing, then we assume that Jesus is standing next to us and that the moment the trials and tribulations and storms sweep in, we wonder where he went. Jesus, don't you care? Why, why'd you take a hike? Where'd you go? Is that you walking on the water over there? Why'd you, why'd you leave me? Oh, this boat is sinking. That's where we go. I want you to understand, nevertheless, never, ever, does Jesus abandon our ship when it's sinking? Don't let it sink in. Jesus never abandons your ship even when you think it's sinking. He stays with us no matter what it feels like to us. So who's in your boat? Who is in your boat with you? We are either in a storm, headed out of a storm, or about to go through a storm because life is full of trouble. It's unavoidable. It's inevitable. It's the way it is. Will not always be this way, but it is the way it is now. We need to know who is in our boat with us. Remember, no matter how many waves crash over your boat, the key question is always who is in your boat? And we all have to determine the answer to that question. Who is in your boat? Is Jesus, God in the boat with us, with you? Or did we live, leave him on the beach and launch out on our own? Going out there to do our own thing, going out there to fix it ourselves. If I study it hard enough, if I work at this hard enough, I'm gonna get this all figured out. It's me and my, me, myself and I are in the boat. Tried that. Doesn't work very well, at least not for me or anybody else I've watched. Who's in your boat? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us the answer. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, again, we just openly, honestly admit that we need you. Only you can really help us. Only you can truly help us know the answer to the question, who is in our boat with us? So Jesus, we welcome you to be our boat, our individual boats, 
collective vote? that you through your spirit give us the assurance that you are there that you are with us help us to know clear down to the deep center of who we are No matter what we think, what we feel, whether it seems like you're asleep or absent, whether it seems like we're going under, that you are with us. Help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you care. Yes, Jesus. know that. Let us know. That you care. For us and all those around us. Amen. people all around us who need to know desperately, need to know that Jesus cares. And while us telling them is part of it, it's more like catching a cold. It's got to be contagious. When you are absolutely, totally convinced that Jesus cares about you, people around you will start to sense it. And they will want to experience it too. And then, they might just start asking questions allow you to have conversations that will change their lives and eternity. Because you get to say, let me tell you about my friend Jesus. That's what we're about. We are sent with Jesus.